Help, I got a Mac podcast episode number 162. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Help, I Got a Mac. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. And I'm Chris Biden. We're here each and every week to talk about our favorite technology obsession, the Mac, and all things Apple. Get yes. some great, great news for game lovers, at least retro game lovers. Yep. I've, I've got my own very personal request for the community to help me out with a certain thing I want to accomplish on my Mac. Okay. And we've got some audio questions from folks and uh, a couple rumors to start things off. Rumors and scuttlebutt. So, Chris, tell me what's going on with Apple and 12 petabytes of data. <laughs> it's a lot of data, isn't it? That is a that's, a that's a bit of data. My uh my link. There we go. Okay. According to a site named storagenewsletter.com, Apple's picked up a whopping 12 petabytes of data storage from a company named company named Isalon Systems. Uh, the new hardware uh, will be used for storing video on iTunes because uh, this information is unofficial. We have no idea if it has to do with Apple's data center. Uh, but uh, just to give you an idea how much a petabyte is. One petabyte is 1,024 terabytes. And uh, consumer hard drives nowadays top out, top out around three terabytes or so. So if you try to store a petabyte of data on a dual-layer dual Blu-ray disc, which holds about 50 gigs each, it would take almost 21,000 discs to fit it all. And uh, Apple just bought 12 of those. Nice. That's a, a lot of data. So, you know, if you took 12 times 21,000, you know, that's, that's a lot of movies. It's a lot of video content. Yep. So how long before we can get petabyte drives in our, in our iMacs? <laughs> petabyte? Yeah. Probably 20 years. About 20 years. 15 to time. I would, I would, it's just as far as, you know, it probably something that big probably will never be on a spinning medium it'll probably be some kind of flash storage but they've got to really figure out how to make those cheaper because you know right now like on a 256 uh gigabytes of flash storage is almost like i don't know 1200 bucks yeah well i re- i remember when people I, I remember people saying they'll never put a terabyte in a, in a single i remember drive. people saying they'll never put a gigabyte you know my first hard drive was 200 megs <laughs> my fr- <laughs> my first hard drive was eight megs mm. Ah, oh, goodness. Back in the day. I remember when I had to compute uphill both ways. I remember when I had a tape drive, like a I, cassette tape. I had a cassette tape drive with my uh, Commodore VIC-20. My hey, which, Commodore 64. Dude, did you see what's going on with the Commodore 64? Yeah, <laughs> the did form you? factor is coming back, right? Dude, yeah, go to Commodore USA, uh, and let me see if it's uh, .net. CommodoreUSA.net. Jeez. Yeah, that was loud. This is... Is there no... Anyway. 
Okay. Well, I thought it. I guess it's just music intro. If you click. Anyway, they've got a brand new Commodore 64, A New Beginning. I see it. <laughs> and if you go there, um, you will find that this is actually a micro XT or whatever they call that uh, PC form factor. So this is a Windows uh, <laughs> computer. It's a dual core, a 525 Atom processor with an Ion 2 graphics chipset. Yep. Looks like it, it comes in the original taupe brown beige color, and it's got uh, genuine cherry brand key switches, which is kind of like a, a clicky key, which honestly, I used to love the clicky keys. Yep. They were allowed and they annoyed everyone around you, but they they were cool. But uh, yeah, it's a dual core 1.8. Uh, it's got, uh, looks like it's got two gigs of RAM and you can put up to four in it. Yeah, and, and it comes with a DVD drive, but you can also get a Blu-ray burner in it. <laughs> funny and it it also has on the out uh on the output it's got a uh, regular what is that dvi but then it also has hd dmi looks like they got a vic uh version also and then i guess they, they, they got some new amigas coming but i don't i doubt they run the i doubt they'd run the amiga os yeah the, the amiga was always the computer growing up that like was one of those that like man an amiga would be so awesome because it had like really really good audio and the games on it were super awesome, but it was, they were so expensive. They were they were every bit, if not more expensive, than a Mac back in the day. Yeah, it says play all your favorite eight bit era games with uh, second within seconds of turning on the Commodore sixty four, <laughs> uh, either by selecting the C sixty four icon from the boot menu uh, to run a C sixty four emulator directly from or from a media center program within our own comp. Commodore operating system. That's now, hilarious. And of course, it says if you can install Windows if you want. I guess it kind of does like a dual boot kind of deal. Mm-hmm. But uh, pretty wild. <laughs> pretty Commodore. wild. It's so funny. Now, if it was a Commodore VIC 20, I might go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and pass. Yeah, I think I'll pass as well. Of course, uh, I don't think you're going to be booting OSX on there. And I definitely don't want another PC. So. Exactly. Anyway, if anybody's interested, head over to CommodoreUSA.net. There we go. Fun stuff. Yes. Completely unplanned. All right. So what are they going to do with 12 petabytes anyway? Who knows, man? Store more awesomeness on it. Do you think they're going to do an iTunes streaming service? <sighs> I don't know, man. Now uh, Amazon's got that cloud storage That's gonna thing that they announced. Turn up the heat, isn't it? Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm kind of hoping that both of them do it, and then you know the music industry goes after them. Both Amazon and Apple have deep pockets, and yeah. I mean, to me, that's the holy grail. I want to be able to take the music that I own and be able to access it on my on my phone. My phone is only you know I've got the 16 gig iPhone four. Yep, I've got probably double that, if not triple that, in music that I own that I've bought or uh, ripped from CDs that I own and and bought. And I want to be able to access those in the cloud anywhere anywhere I am. And hopefully Apple figures out a way to do it. I mean, I'm sure they can do it. It's just them pulling the trigger on it. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you, we will see what's going to happen. Of course, we can only speculate. And there's been plenty of speculation already. And there'll be plenty more. But uh, I, I guess we'll have to wait. I mean, eventually they have to announce something that they're doing with that big, huge, gigantic facility they're building, right? Yeah, I would think so. I would think so too. 
All right. So another rumor, new Final Cut Studio to debut on the 12th. I am so excited if this is if this is true because you know I bought Final Cut a few months ago and I needed it for a project, so I'll be able to get the upgrade. Yay! Yeah. Okay. Uh, Apple's planning on debuting the next version of Final Cut Pro at the Final Cut Pro User Group Super Meet on April 12th. According to PVC, which is Pro Video Coalition, Apple will be using the Vegas Super Meet to announce the next version of Final Cut Pro. Supposedly, Apple will be taking over to the entire event for their announcement, canceling all their sponsors, including uh, AJA, Avid, Canon, Blackmagic, Autodesk, and others who were set to give presentations, which is pretty cool. Uh, Canon's spokesperson uh, supposedly confirmed to PVC, Canon was told last night that Apple's demanded all lectern or stage time exclusively, and Apple doesn't want anyone to have stage time but them. So Final Cut Pro uh, supposedly uh, is the biggest overhaul of Final Cut Pro since the original version was created over 10 years ago. So this is going to be super sweet. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to hear about this. I don't know that I'll... Probably you. I don't know whether or not I'll ever use it, but uh, I know that this is pretty high end stuff, and uh, there have been certainly some pretty decent um, movies that were made on Final Cut. I, have you ever seen the movie Fireproof? Uh, no. I believe that movie was made. It was like one of the top grossing independent films ever made. And, really? Uh, it was made in iMovie, or not iMovie, but uh, Final Cut Pro. There's been a bunch of movies that have been made with Final Cut. Uh, Cold Mountain, which is a Coen Brothers movie, has been made with Final Cut. Um, Martin Scorsese did one, uh, did a short and final with Final Cut. So, yeah, very pretty cool. sweet. Well, yeah, uh, at w, World, the WWD, WWE does all their stuff in Final Cut. So, if you ever see any wrestling stuff, uh, Napoleon Dynamite, uh, Sky Captain, The World of Tomorrow, Spellbound. Um, try to look here. The uh, film Jarhead, all done with Final Cut. So X Men, X Men Two, all really? done with Final Cut. So X-Men Final Cut's a a real deal. Yeah, and of course it's priced like the real deal as well. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, what a thousand bucks? Is that what it is? I I I thought it was more than that. I thought it was like twelve or thirteen or fourteen hundred dollars. It might be, but the upgrade is three hundred dollars. So yeah. Well, and the thing is, of course, um, you know, when you think about a big movie production, that that's that's a drop in the bucket, and it's actually quite cheap. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I wonder if they'll actually come out with with some better pricing with the new release. I wonder. You never know. Logic dropped in price, and Did it? Um, I don't know. Yeah, anything would be. Uh, it'd be welcome. I'd be pretty happy about that if it got even cheaper. Yeah, Final Cut Studio is a thousand dollars. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. It comes with a bunch of stuff. It comes with sound soundtrack, which is kind of like a, a it's kind of a limited audio editing program, but it comes with it. it comes with Final Cut Studio, uh, Final Cut Pro, which is the the video editing suite, compressor, which will take video format and, and pop it out to a bunch of different formats for you, and it does a really good job compressing. Also, uh, it also comes with color, which is a, a color correction tool, and then the other one it comes with is motion. And that is a, uh, it's kind of like After Effects. It's a compositing software that do motion graphics and things like that. And, uh, you know, those purchased separately, it, you know, it's still, this whole studio is still cheaper than than what Adobe offers with their uh, production suite, which is, I think, about $1,800 or so. It would be a real deal if they make it available on the Mac App Store. You buy it once and put it on all your computers. 
That would be uh, that'd be sweet. But man, the box, the box for my upgrade, it's not very. It's it's the size, you know, the iLife disc. I would say it's it's like the size of five of those. It's pretty thick, and uh, there's like six DVDs in it. It just takes up a ton of space for like the loops and all that kind of stuff because it does come with a ton of sound effects. Right. Yeah. That'd be a pretty big download, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about it though. Um, I'm definitely, hopefully going to get someone else to buy it for me. (laughs) I think I'll probably continue to use ScreenFlow. (laughs) That's cool too. (laughs) My $99 software has done me well. There you go. All right. So, Chris, have you had your hands yet on a Motorola Zoom yet? I have not. I've got uh, I've got a couple people that I went to high school with that are, are huge Android fanboys. They're as big of Android fanboy as I am of, of Mac and iOS. And I know uh, this one guy in particular has a Motorola Zoom, and he's all been like, it's the best thing ever. And, it, you know, and, and, you know, iPads are no good. Has he ever had an iPad? No. Okay, that's all I have to say about that. What's funny though is uh, some some figures came out today. Um, according to uh, my link isn't working, but uh, I think it's like a Bank of Scotland or something came out today. Uh, an analyst, uh, Deutsche Bank, I'm sorry, claims that only 100,000 Motorola Zoom tablets have been sold so far. Right. Right. So that got me thinking. I did a little bit of math today. Okay. It's a little fuzzy math, but it's still it's still pertinent. The average price for a Motorola Zoom is about $600, okay? Okay. So if 100,000 of those have been sold, that means they made roughly $59 million. Right. On the Zoom. Not, not, that's not profit they've made. That's just how much revenue they've made on, on the Motorola Zoom, right? Okay. So I decided, I said, well, let's find out how many you know, iPad 2s were sold. And just a couple days ago, they, they said... Possibly between 2.4 and 2.6 million iPad 2s have been sold. Right. So I said, okay, how many of those uh, came with, you know, people bought the smart cover? I was very, very conservative on this. I said, probably at least half of the people who bought an iPad 2 bought the smart cover also. I'm willing to bet that everybody did, or, you know, 75% of the people did. Right. I took the average price of the smart cover, which, you know, there's one for 39 and there's one for 69 and I made an average price of $55. Okay. Cause there are some, a lot of people that I know went ahead and bought the leather just because it kind of looks nice and feels good and things like that. Right. So that made $55, right? So if you took the $55 average price of the smart cover times 1.2 million iPad twos, which is half of, of what they said have shipped. So I'm being conservative again. That means Apple's revenue on just the smart covers alone is $66 million. Now, I'm willing to bet that Apple makes more per smart cover in pure profit than Motorola makes with the Zoom. Right. So Apple made more money selling the iPad 2 smart covers than Motorola made selling the Zoom, and the Zoom's been out longer than the iPad 2. Right. That's yeah. just putting it in perspective. Just putting it in perspective there. Uh, the, here, here's the situation. I, you know, I, I'm sure the Motorola Zoom is 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 lots of fun, and I'm sure it's a great device. And especially if you're an um, oh, it's uh, got 17 apps written for it specifically. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, 17. So, so, so I, I'm I'm sure that if you're an Android Android fanboy, then you're gonna love that device. 
but it, it it's a huge stretch for me to somebody says, oh, the, the iPad is nothing, blah, 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 when you've never owned one. Because I think if I don't, if I'm not mistaken, I happen to know a certain co-host of a certain podcast called Help I Got a Mac that kind of poo-pooed the idea of an iPad for a while. <laughs> I did. And, and, I did. and we're talking Apple fanboy to the max, right? Yep. And and I remember you, Chris, you were like, I just don't know. I mean, it's just like a giant iPod touch. I don't think I'll ever need it. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, and, yeah, like, I, and I kept uh, saying, yeah. I kept saying, what did I say over? You, you haven't played with one. You you haven't played with it. You, it. you get it in your hand. You play with it. You'll understand. Yep. And so that so and obviously you you know that the iPad is totally awesome. It's funny. Steve Wozniak uh, was at a talk. Um, I think it was today, today or yesterday. It was April. It was Tuesday, so a few days ago, or yesterday. Uh, he said uh, on the. Uh, basically, said Steve Wozniak stated during the keynote session uh, that. Um, he believes that Steve Jobs intended to create a tablet targeting normal people as, as opposed to, you know, techie people from the day they co-founded Apple. He said, a quote, I think Steve Jobs had the intention from the day we started Apple, but it was just hard to get there because we had to go through a lot of steps where you connect things and eventually the computer grew up to where they could, a normal consumer appliance. So basically... The, the iPad is the computer that Steve has always wanted to make. Something easy to use. It's an appliance-like, you know, you don't have to worry about the file system or how fast it is or how much RAM it has or, or anything like that. It just does what you want it to do, and, and it just works. Yeah. And I, think, I, I, I kind of agree with that. I think the iPad is exactly the perfect computer in Steve's mind. Yeah, I, I you know I think it still lacks quite a bit. Uh, I think the iOS still lacks quite a bit when you if you want to call it a computer. Um, I mean, it, 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 I I think there are some basic things that are missing. You know, um, like for example, software to be able to take full utilization. Uh, like when I when I'm on my Mac, for example, uh, Text Expander. You know, I I'd like to have an application running in the background that is constantly monitoring my keystrokes. And I'd like to be able to type into an application, whatever, you know, snippets that I have from text expander and have that work system wide. Yeah. You know, so, so in my mind, it's not a computer. It's, it's not even near. And also I'd like a file system. I'd like a file system where I can actually save to a folder and then I can go into any app and open up that folder. You know, th- those kind of things. I mean, the only thing I get as that's anywhere remotely close to that is this all clumped together one photo library where it stores my videos and photos. Mm-hmm. And and that's frustrating. Yeah. So so in my mind, there there are still some things that that Apple does with the iOS that just frustrates me like crazy. <laughs> so I don't but, see it nowhere yeah. near the perfect computer. Well, yeah, but you're you're a techie guy, you know. I'm a techie guy, but I, I think I think there are still other people out there that aren't think, as technical that that still understand folder structure and would love to have an application that would be running in the background that would assist you in everything that you're doing on your device. Yeah, I think if someone never used a computer before, yeah, I'm thinking like. Uh, you know, my, my, my grandma, who's no longer with me, us, you know, 
I, I don't think she ever sat in front of a computer before in her life ever. Uh-huh. And I wish she was still around so I could hand her an iPad and just see what she did. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think she would never have thought about files or anything. She would have been like, holy cow, I can do all sorts of neat things with this. So you're, you're right. There's, it, it's, there's still a little, you know, a little ways to go, but I think we're getting close. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. Uh, I'll tell you what I love when, when I am my, if, if you ever see me use my iPad, there's probably some silly smile on my face. Hey. Because the the way it it continuously you know and I've still got the, I've got the I've got the legacy iPad yeah but uh, you know the way it continuously it manages to surprise and delight me yeah it's it's just it's just awesome you just can't understand it until you put one in your hands well I like it a lot and I'm not me gonna argue too. that and, and someday you're gonna buy me uh, the new one right yeah we'll do that. <laughs> hey um oh by the way last week my mac, mac mini quit working on me <laughs> on thursday morning I, I went to go turn it on and it would not turn on that's no good i held in that power button till my finger turned purple <laughs> i mean i tried everything i unplugged it and plugged it in all of that good stuff i finally just un, you know i went and unplugged everything just unplugged yeah. everything pulled it all out and everything and i'm like and i went fishing for the key you know the cord down at the bottom and and all that other good jazz and and i pulled out you know it's like you know what let me just plug it in and plug in the cable real quick and see if i can turn it on and what happened this stupid thing turns on mm-hmm. so now <laughs> it's sitting over there still on on the other side of my studio and and so tomorrow morning i gotta get in here early enough to to hook it back up for my i'll be sleeping live shows i know anyway but you uh, way so, earlier than i do yeah i do i would get up at five yeah i'm still asleep yeah so, i sleep until like 6 30 so uh my mac mini died but it has been it has come back to life oh yep 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 so hey the other thing i have here uh my iphone is now i guess it's 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 r- coming up right on one year old now Okay. My iPhone 4. And yeah, I, June. I, yeah. June 24th. I've got a reminder in my email inbox that says, hey, Cliff, you should probably add uh, Apple Care. Apple to, Care. Apple Care to your iPhone. Yeah, I'm, think, I'm contemplating that myself. Uh, what is it, like 75 bucks? Is that all it is? I think so. Let yeah. me go to the, I'm actually at the store.apple.com right now. Okay. Let me go to and look for Apple Care. I will go to. So I would need to add it for myself and. Stephanie. It is sixty nine dollars. That's not bad. That's not no, bad. I've already. I've gotten. Actually, I've gotten this. This is my second iPhone four. Um, the other one, I can't remember why I got it swapped out. It was um, what was it? Oh, the home button won't work. It was very like intermittent. Huh. So they swapped it out for me. Gotcha. So yeah. So um, if if you've got an iPhone. Apple Care does not cover if you drop it and the back explodes, right? Uh, but if your phone just kind of stops working, uh, you know, you get that compliment, you get that service for one year, Apple care for another 69 bucks. You get it for two years. And here's the thing. A lot for of times, two more, if you're, isn't it two more years? No, it's a, for a total of two years. Oh, so now if you have a, a computer, it's three years. Total ah, three gotcha. Years. Okay. But what's cool is, uh, a lot of times 18 months rolls around and you can upgrade to the new, you know, iPhone five or iPhone six or whatever's going to come out. Uh, the Apple Care is transferable, so the person who buys it, you know, if they get the iPhone four, 
you can always kind of get a couple extra bucks because you're like, you know, it's got Apple Care for another, you know, so many months on it. Right. So that's something I think about too. Yeah, I don't know. Um, we'll see. I'll, I'll still think about it. Okay. Because, <laughs> I mean, nothing's wrong in this first year. And mm-hmm. you figure, you know, in eight, you know, after 18 months, it's what, six more months. I'm probably be looking at a new phone anyway. Yeah, the rumor is that uh, the iPhone 5 is probably not even going to come out until the fall now. So uh, 18 months for people who got the iPhone 4 last year is in December. Yeah. So okay. something to think about. Yep. All right. Well, um, I'll tell you what. Thinking of that, let me play some uh, voice feedback from Thor. Check this out right here. This is Thor from St. Louis. I have an unfortunate quandary. My iPhone 4 was stolen right out of my hand a few weeks ago. I fortunately still had my original iPhone, and Apple and AT&T conspired to encode a new SIM card to reactivate that old phone on my current plan. Secondly, I'm leaving the country in summer 2012, so I can't accept a new two-year contract with AT&T to receive subsidized pricing. My old iPhone 1 is slowly chugging along, but I'm dying to replace my iPhone 4. However, a new 32-gig iPhone without subsidization is about $700. Two questions I hope you can discuss on the show for me. A, aside from eBay, which isn't that much cheaper than $700, do you have any recommendations for replacing my iPhone 4 on the cheap? And B, with the rumors of no hardware at WWDC and iPhone 5 being delayed until autumn 2011, do you think I should wait for the 5 or get the 4 once I've saved up? Thanks for your time. Love your show. <laughs> All right. Um, I, you know, I just went to ebay.com. Did you know the banner right there? It says, get up to $400 for your iPad or iPhone 4. <laughs> That's funny. And if you search for iPhone 4, it looks like they're going for about $700. Yep. Yeah. Not cheap, man. No, they are not. What I would recommend doing depends on where he's going in the in, in around the world. Uh, he said he's going out of the country. He might be able to get an unlocked phone in that other country. That's something to think about. Uh, another option might be instead of getting the iPhone four, uh, get the iPhone three GS. Um, I'm doing. I'm looking here in Cincinnati. It looks like you can get a used three GS. You know, eight gig or sixteen gig. Uh, this this one looks like it's a it's a used 3GS 8 gig for about a hundred bucks, and the reason he said he's got the iPhone one, the original iPhone, right? 3GS uh, is is not as fast as the iPhone four, lacks a Retina display, but it is pretty fast still. Yeah. So I, I would probably go 3GS and then you know pay you know pay a hundred bucks or something to get it, and then you know when the new one comes out or when you get back in in the country, then you know think about that but three g s you know you're gonna get the um you're not gonna get the gyroscope, but you are gonna get the the uh, g p s so that's what i would do yeah i think i, th- I if i if i know him well enough and i know who he is um I would imagine he's definitely wanting the 32 gig and probably the HD video is is something that's of interest as well. So Yeah, then you might have to bite the bullet. Yeah, unfortunately. I don't think and I don't think there's any other places out there cheaper that you're going to find an iPhone 4. Yep, or just uh go Android. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Whatever. Get, a, get the Nexus S. Ah, I hate to hear that though. I, that, man, I, Yeah, stolen out of your hand? That's got to be that's got to be bad. That's no good. 
All right. One more question, Chris. Uh, here's a big one for you. Let's, oh, you know what? And I don't even have it queued up. So how do you like those apples? Um, <laughs> let me go in here and do voice message number 63. So show, and I don't even have 63 written down. Where did I find that at? Oh, well. But we'll move on. How about uh, we we move on to Jan? And uh, this is some old feedback from a long time ago, I believe. Okay. Hi, guys. This is Jan in Fayetteville, Georgia. Uh, I've been listening to y'all for a while, and I am actually doing this on my very brand new Verizon iPhone. Yay! Um, I have been a Mac now for a year. I got my first iMac last year. I started slow a few years ago. I got a, a little shuffle, and then I graduated to an iPod. And then I just couldn't stand it anymore. And last year, I got a nice big iMac. So I have been waiting and waiting and waiting for Verizon to come out with the iPhone. And yes, I was one of those people that was up at 3 o'clock in the morning and ordering right online because I just couldn't wait. (laughs) And my theory is that most of the demand will probably be from existing Verizon customers who are loyal Verizon who have just been waiting and waiting like I have. And I really enjoy your show, especially since I'm sort of a new Mac person myself. I didn't realize what a um, Windows expert I was until I transitioned to Mac, but at work I caught myself trying to use some keyboard shortcuts (laughs) from my Mac. And I was like, oh, I guess I must really be a Mac now. But thanks, your show is great. And um, I listened to you with uh, Father Roderick on the Balanced Living Weekly, so I love that too. Uh, Talk to you later. Bye. All right. Thank you so much, Jan. I'm so excited for you to have the iPhone. That's how it happens, man. It's, it was called, it, people laughed when they made the first uh, iPod. And uh, it's, it's called the halo effect. And, halo. you know, you use this and you're like, you know what? They really know how to do this. I wonder, you know, and then you just keep building up and building up. Next thing you know, you got a Mac and, at your house and you're sticking the sticker on your car and you're telling people that they're crazy because they're buying another Windows machine. Yep. I don't have the sticker on the card, but I, I definitely have all of the others. <laughs> I, I, both of our cars have stickers on them. Nice. All right. So that's hey, just how I, we roll. I found episode or uh, voicemail number 63. So, okay. Thank you. Spotlight. <laughs> hey, Cliff and Chris, this is Chris Ross from Charleston, West Virginia. And I was calling with a uh, question for help about a Mac. Uh, I'm listening to the show for, about two years, and it helped me to get my Mac, and recently I decided to get a Mac Mini, because I had to restore my iPhone 4, and on a 40 gigabyte hard drive, really didn't have enough space to do a full restore. Luckily, it all worked out, but um, I'm thinking about using the Mac Mini as mostly for my iPhone and iTunes music collection, but I thought about maybe doing a partition on the 500 gigabyte hard drive so that I can put some PC stuff on there, maybe just get rid of the PC entirely. Um, And I was wondering what the best way was to both move my iTunes library over from my PC on an external hard drive to the Mac Mini, and if I need to do the partition now or if I can do it later. So it's coming in next week, and uh, I'd love to hear some input from you guys as to the best way to go about moving things over, what problems I'm going to run into, and uh, the pros and cons, and how big of a partition I should make for the PC. So thanks a lot. Love hearing from you guys, and uh, be looking forward to the show. Bye. 
All right, Chris, first and foremost, um, the let's answer the partition question. Does he have to do that now or can they do it later? Uh, he can do it later. Uh, I would use boot camp to do it. Okay. And, and how do you do that? I, I remember doing that. Don't you just go in? Don't you just go to spotlight your little magnifying glass and type in boot camp and it? Uh, yeah, it yeah. It's uh, it's under the, uh, if you go to the, um, Oh, let's see. Now I'm, I'm drawing a blank. If you go to the um, applications folder under utilities, it'll be in there. Okay. And as far as moving the uh, iTunes library from a PC to a Mac, it is kind of involved. So I went ahead and created a tiny URL for it. Okay. And uh, if you go to uh, tinyurl.com slash gspn iTunes, uh, there's an article on Lifehacker. Uh, called Geek to Live, how to move an iTunes library from PC to Mac and back. So it's if you wanted to do that, I don't know why you want to move it you know, forwards and backwards, but this will tell you how to move that over for you so you don't lose your playlists and things like that. Awesome. Very yep, cool. Yep, and that's tinyurl.com slash gspn iTunes. Awesome, and I'll put, make sure that that goes into the show notes for... Uh, this episode number 162 at helpigotamac.com as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, Chris, I am desperately seeking for a solution to do what I want to do here. And I just wasted $5.99 and I gave my first one star review, which means I hate it. Uh, and this was a total waste of my money in the Mac app store. Okay. And right. what is it? Well, first of all, let me tell you what I gave a bad uh, uh, mark to, and it was called Savior, (laughs) S-A-V-I-O-R. So um, it's called Savior. And what Savior does is is you can actually assign it uh, certain programs, and any of these programs are open and running. It will consistently, whatever time interval you tell it, every 15 seconds, 30 seconds, every 15 minutes, or whatever the case Mm -hmm. may be, you have these documents open and you're working, you know, back and forth, back and forth. Well, it would auto save your document for you. So, So, and you can actually set it up to do it for just certain applications, just one application. Well, by the way, I, I actually went to the website, which is in German, and I had it translated over. Uh, and and just to see if I could find more information before I bought it to see if it would work for to do what I wanted to do. And guess what? When I got to the website, it actually showed some screen a screen capture of the uh, application, and it shows you know it's like number my number one question was can I tell it to ju- can I actually tell it what applications to work with and not to work with everything? And so the answer to my question was yes because it actually showed the one screen I was looking for, which is to see that, yes, you can choose which applications for it to do the auto save feature on. Okay. And in the, in the screen capture, one of the applications that was there in the box was text wrangler. Yeah. I love text wrangler. I love text wrangler as well. So I saw that, yes, I can, as a matter of fact, I, I, I saw just judging upon this application screen capture that, yes, I can actually make it to where I only associate Text Wrangler. And when Text Wrangler is open, I can actually make that the only program that it will actually you know, do an auto save. It will go in and save my progress every 15 seconds. And I purchased the app. 
I set it up, I assigned Text Wrangler, and I get the little growl notification. We cannot, you know, uh, Savior cannot do autosave on Text Wrangler. You know, if this oh, persists, please, di- please remove this from your whitelist. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's the only reason I bought this thing. So, <laughs> so you want to save text documents to Dropbox continuously, right? Yeah. Let me. So, have you ever used plain text? Uh, is it an app, or are you talking yeah, about it's just plain text? It, no. It's plain text. Uh, it, it's an application for the iOS, and it's totally awesome. So mm-hmm. it works with Dropbox. It creates a, it creates a folder in your in your Dropbox called plain text, and anything that's in that directory, even in subfolders, it all it all trees down. It's all great, and it's a plain text editor on your iOS device. It'll work on the iPad. It works on the iPhone. It's great, and so I can open up a document called todo.txt. Okay. And if I type in one letter, it immediately, persistently backs that up. And so, I mean, it, a matter of fact, it, it's it's funny because I can sit here because I've got Dropbox on my on my computer on my desktop, and if I type in a couple letters and just stop for a couple seconds, I can see a growl notification. Your to do txt has been updated in your Dropbox folder, and I'll type in a, <laughs> I'll type in like two or three more you know characters, and I'll just wait. And, you know, like three seconds later, todo.txt has just been updated. And so, I mean, so it's persistently backing up. Right. Now, what happens is on the desktop, I open up todo.txt in Text Wrangler. And the other day I was adding to it and taking things away, adding to it and taking things away. And I just, you know, it's just up and running all day long. Well, at the end of the day, I just went in and hit control Q or command Q and I hit the space, or I hit something, and instead, it asked me if I wanted to save, and I, of course, told it no for some reason. Yeah. And I lost everything I did that day. Hmm. That's no good. Not good. So, Text Wrangler, Text Wrangler itself does not have an autosave feature. Now, I found out that Text uh, Edit for Leopard, uh, Snow Leopard, Text Edit actually has an autosave feature, but it does something weird. It, it creates an autosave version of the file. Mm-hmm. And if you close the app without saving, it del- well, you can actually tell it to not delete it or to delete it. Uh, but if it, even if you tell it not to delete it, it's not the same file. It's not todo.txt. It's todo space parentheses autosave and parentheses.txt. Oh, okay. So it's not really persistently saving it. Now, the thing is, is if I do hit save at the end, then it will actually, it will update my file, but then it creates like this, it takes the original file and puts a, a tilde it at the end of it. Huh. So I, that's not what I want. I just wanted to open up todo.txt. I want to be able to type, and after I'm done typing, even I don't mind if it does it every 15 seconds. I'd prefer yeah. to do it, you know, as I'm moving along, you know, just consistently just be updating the heck out of this file. I may have found a solution for you. What is it? It's called compositions. You know what? I found that in the, I found that, and that actually, when I read the instruction or read the uh, stuff on there, it says you can export as TXT. So hmm. it's almost as though that is actually using a proprietary format, but it does it does a similar things. It, it will say you know you can open it up, you can use compositions on your desktop mm-hmm. and on the iOS, and it, you'll it'll sync continuously with your Dropbox. 
it sounds to be like what it is, but it's not using TXT files. Yeah. Let's see. I'm, I'm looking here about text wrangler Dropbox. It's like BB edit. Maybe. Yeah. It's, you know what? We'll have to. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not looking for the answer today, but I wanted to throw it out there. And, and now that I've, I've pretty much explained it, I want the same functionality or at least every 15 seconds right. for it to autosave. And I don't want it to actually create a new file with a tilde at the end for the, you know, the unchanged. Cause you know, if I need to re- go back to an old revision, Dropbox is keeping those for me. Mm-hmm. And I don't want it, and and I wanted to. I just wanted to save this the original file. Gotcha. So if anybody's out there listening and you have an idea for me, please let me know. Because help, I got a Mac. <laughs> All right. So anyway, uh, moving along, Atari Greatest Hits is set to hit the uh, App Store this evening. That's the rumor. That's the word. It's already on like New Zealand's app store right now. Exactly. So here in the United States, we're supposed to get the, it's called a greatest hits app from Atari. And it's going to have, what is it? Missile command asteroids. Um, what centipede millipede. Yeah, there's tons of them. Uh, and it looks like it might be the arcade versions and the home console versions. Uh, you can buy each game pack. There's, there's split up in the 25, uh, they're split on the, let's see here, 25 game packs, you know, each with four games. So like if you want the Asteroids pack, it's Asteroids, Asteroids Deluxe, Asteroids for the 2600, and then Canyon Bomber, which is a Bluetooth multiplayer game. And each one of those game packs are uh, a dollar a piece, but you can buy all the packs and get 100 games together with a single purchase of $15. Right. So 15 bucks for 100 old Atari games on the phone and I believe on the iPad too. It's a it's a um, universal app. Yep. And here's what's cool: uh, there is a, a device out that's coming out, uh, supposed to be out this spring, but it looks like looks like it's been pushed back till June, called iCade. And uh, this is one of those things that Think Secret, who does these great uh, um, April Fools' pranks on their on their web store, um, did one last year called the iCade. And basically, what it was is you took your iPad. You dropped it in this little mini arcade frame complete with like buttons and everything. And you, you could turn your iPad into a little arcade machine. Well, everybody went nuts saying, you know, you got to make this. You got to make this. So now uh, with, with a group called Ion, they are making the iCade. It's going to work via Bluetooth, but it's going to have actual like, you know, arcade buttons and, and, and the control stick and everything. And Atari's, uh, this, uh, Atari's Greatest Hits has been designed with that in mind. So when the IK does come out, you'll be able to take it, you know, put your iPad into it, fire up the Bluetooth, and then play all these old arcade games from Atari and like perfect. I mean, they look great. I saw a couple uh, videos of asteroids being played in the IK, and it looks awesome. That is awesome. So, and they're releasing that that whole thing as a as a free API for any other anybody else. So you could you know they could release a Street Fighter or or any kind of you know arcade game for it that supports that and you can use real controls and um frankly i'm excited it looks like iCade's gonna be about a hundred bucks um which is a great price yep absolutely and especially if i mean let's see here if you think about iCade it's really just the controller right it's like a bluetooth controller right and i know it's gonna sit down in it and stuff like that but it 
technically speaking, if I'm thinking about this, because really what I want, it, you know, if I, if I were to get an iCade, which I don't think I will, but if I were to get one, I'd want it for that authentic joystick and, and real game arcade button feel. And that's exactly what these are. These are like hap controls, which are what, I, what are used on arcade machines. And then imagine AirPlay or the 1080p output to your, or to your mm. HDTV. I like your thinking. Uh-huh. I, you know, I, I'm thinking, forget the little arcade. How about just, how about just the, you know, a, a stand for some joy, uh, like a joystick stand? Uh, not even a stand. How about a Bluetooth joystick? Uh, you put your iPad into like, you know, you, you hook it up to your TV and boom, then you control the game wirelessly through your Bluetooth. Done. Don't even need to look at the screen. Interesting. Yes. Fun stuff. All right, so let's see here. That's a boxcar for the Mac. I mean, what's up with that? I love boxcar on my on my uh, iOS device. I don't use it. But why would I want it on the iPad or the? I'm sorry, the desktop. No idea. Okay, Fair I don't enough. even know what boxcar is. All right. Well, I'll tell you what boxcar is. Boxcar is a notification service, kind of like Growl, okay, on, on the Mac, but it's for the for the PC. Or I'm sorry, for the iOS. And you can actually set it to go out and search for things. Like, for example, um, it, it, it's basically, it's a push notification center, sender service. Mm. And so, before you know, when remember when Twitter had the track SMS, you could track certain keywords? Right, yeah. Well, you could create a search in Boxcar and tell it to send you a push notification every time that search keyword or phrase shows up in Twitter. Oh, okay. That's cool. Okay. So, so you can do that, but not only that, but there, you can also create, uh, an, uh, an email account. And so you can forward email to a certain email address and it will notify you via push message every time something is sent to that address. Mm, okay. And, and I'll give you a perfect example of why I love this. If I actually send matter of fact, here, I'll do this. I am going to unmute my phone. I'm going to turn it up. I think it's on. And uh, let me go in here and find a product sale. All right. And basically what I have is a filter that every single time. Oh, goodness. Where, where are all my product sales? That's an e-junkie. Oh, okay. I think. Is that? Is that yes. Uh, oh, this is, is this it. the thing that makes the cha-ching noise? Yeah. So I, I don't know if this is it or not. So let me hit Cliff and I'm going to hit send. E, this is e-junkie notification, but I don't I don't know if this is what. Yeah, that is it. So you heard that, right? Yeah, you know what's funny is I've got Boxcar. All right, well, <laughs> never so, used it. So basically, what I did is I create every time I get an e-junkie sale notification, I created a filter for that for that particular phrase, and that filter sends that forwards that email to a certain email address in Boxcar, and that's where that. You know, that's when that noise comes in. That's cool. Yeah, that'll work. See, so, my problem is, is uh, it still uses like, uh, it still uses um, Apple's crappy notification system. Yeah, I, I, but still, I mean, you, you got to use what you've got to work with. And I just don't understand. I understand why I want this on my on my phone, but I'm trying to think of why I would want that on my desktop. Maybe just instead of growl. Yeah, I guess or, so. Or you can, you know, you find out you get an email message or a Twitter or something or other without having those apps open. Oh, yeah. Hmm. 
I like that. Okay. See, there you go. So you, go. you can get the ching just by having your computer like just sitting there. Real quick, I want to mention this app. It's a it's it's a little bit more expensive than what we normally talk about, but uh, it is called Sound Literacy, uh, mm-hmm. and it's all one word: Sound Literacy. Uh, it's twenty four ninety nine in the App Store. Uh, these folks are the were the only people at the Midwest Homeschool Convention that had anything remotely technical. Uh, I could not okay. believe how far back in technology homeschoolers are. Uh, when it comes to curriculum and stuff like that, I really thought you know that they had this thing licked. There are a couple services out there. I mean, K twelve is doing pretty good. Uh, I think Alpha Omega has a program that will work on both Mac and PC. It's not their their normal software, but they came out with a one that's all web based and stuff. But uh, it, I, I, overall, I was very disappointed in the lack of technology. Now, what Sound Literacy is, it's an iPad app. At $25, you might think that that's pretty expensive. But what happens is these these um, homeschoolers are buying these uh, magnetic kits of letters mm-hmm. that you would normally put, I don't know if you'd use it on a refrigerator or where you would use it or on just some kind of um, you know metal device that you would put them on. Anyway, um, it, it allows them to, to work with phonics. Um, okay. It says here, Sound Literacy is an instructional tool and resource for teaching, pho- let's see, phonemic awareness, uh, phonological processing, and the alphabetic principle. And of course, I could probably learn to speak a little clearly myself. But anyway, um, it's a neat application. And uh, if anybody's out there that's uh, doing homeschooling and and uh, you have somebody that is getting ready to learn to read, you have a child that's getting ready to learn to read, Go into iTunes and type in sound literacy and go check it out. Hmm. You homeschool? I we're thinking about homeschooling Matt. So actually huh. we're not thinking about it. It's it's a done deal. Although after my visit to the Midwest Homeschool Convention, I'm not sure I'm all that keen on it. But uh we'll, <laughs> we're gonna continue to talk about that on uh, Family from the Heart. But uh It's a very interesting and controversial subject. Yeah, I don't know if it's... Yeah, I guess it can be controversial for some people. So, Sword and Sorcery, what's this? It's not anything for education. All right. Sword and Sorcery EP from Super Brothers with the most excellent soundtrack ever. Basically, this is kind of an adventure game. It has knocked my socks off. It looks and, like uh, really old, like 8-bit graphics. It's awesome. It is. It's kind of old school, but it's like an adventure game. You run around and you, you I'm not very far into it. And it's kind of, I just can't, it, it's got this certain level of snark that is just awesome. And the soundtrack is incredible. It's almost like playing inside of an album. It's just really, really fun. Huh. Uh, it's five bucks, um, which, you know, it's, it's, it's an iPad game. Yeah. And uh, if you want to find out more about it, go to swordandsorcery.com and you can see the trailer and all sorts. It's kind of, it's, it's out there. It's bizarre. It's kind of like a, a, an interactive work of art. And uh, I'm just having a blast with it. I think it's super, super fun. All right. Last one, Chris. Meal Snap. Tell me, explain oh, to me. Oh, Snap. Meal t- Snap. What, what is this thing? Okay, this came down I last I thought this night. was an April Fool's joke. It's from Daily Burn. Um, <laughs> no, it came out on the 4th. And basically, you take a picture of a meal. It kind of chunks on some things, and it tells you what it is and what its caloric content could be. Huh. And I'm like, there's no way this works, right? So uh, last night, I took a picture of, of, of a beer that I was drinking called an Oberon Ale, which I actually enjoyed one while we were doing our show. Took a picture of it, 
it chugged for about two or three minutes and all of a sudden it came back and said Oberon Ale 200 and some odd calories I'm like no way like this thing is magical you know kind of like Shazam for food right right well I also said last night there's no there has to be some kind of voodoo this has to be like Mechanical Turk which is a a program from Amazon that actually uses humans to do it kind of crowdsources data right right found out that's exactly what they're doing every time someone uploads a picture it goes to mechanical turk where humans just going through there to earn a couple fractions of a cent per per transaction identify what it is and look up its caloric content and posts it back on the app so that's how they're doing it that's crazy no so it's kind of like kind of kind of some trickery there but it's actually kind of fun to do I wonder, I mean, seriously, why are they doing this? I mean, $2.99, I'm sure that I, if I take enough pictures, it's eventually going to cost them more money than... Takes about 70 photos before they start losing money. Right. But uh, yeah, I, I guess I could see... Yeah, I well, guess that, That's not a whole lot though, man. That's, that's less than a week. Yeah, I know. But a lot of people are going to probably get bored with it or whatever. I don't know. I, I'll tell you what, I was, I was hesitant to pay the $2.99, but... You know, in this in the spirit of already throwing six bucks out on that savior application. Ugh. Anyway. <laughs> well, here's the thing: it's made by the folks that make Daily Burn, which yep. is a caloric workout and fitness companion. Um, the word is it's going to link in with that at some point. So, right. If you're out in a restaurant, you don't want to have to look it up. You can just take a picture, and it kind of logs it with food and the picture, and you can tweet it out. It's more of a novelty than anything. Oh, well, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go upstairs with my salmon salad that stephanie's uh, made for me and go take a picture and see what it says okay and let us know all right chris thanks for everything if you guys are out there and you know of a text program that's going to allow me to persistently save and keep the same file name and not create all kinds of extra file names and it works with txt documents inside of my dropbox i know i want the world right seriously or just find a way that i could just run an emulator of my ios <laughs> on my desktop. Why don't they have that? Seriously, why don't they have iOS emulators? They want you to buy another iOS device. I'll, I'll pay money for an iOS emulator. <laughs> anyway, folks, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Help I Got a Mac. If you want to learn how you can help support the content and community of gspn.tv, please head over to gspn.tv forward slash plus. And of course, if you haven't done so already, head over to gspncommunity.com and join our community today and check out the Help I Got a Mac section there. Lots of help for you in all your Mac needs throughout the week. And I I promise I'll post at least once every few months. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) I'm terrible. I need to get better at it. I'll tell you what, when when you post your questions there and the community doesn't respond right away... I forward a link over to Chris anyway, and he comes and responds. That's true. All right, folks. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you next time. Until then, join the community. See ya.